All right. Give me that stadium banger. Boom. Podcast. <laughs> And welcome to TBI Talks Tech. This episode is sponsored by no one, actually. We're doing this pod for the love of the game, actually. But uh, <laughs> I am, as always, your host, Dave Polakowski. And along with me is... Sales trainer, Eric Hills. And in the studio with us today, we've got Corey Cohen, our vice president of marketing. Welcome, Corey. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, thank you for taking some time. I know you're busy. The marketing team is slammed. We've got channel partners coming up. So taking some time in the studio, greatly appreciate it. And I know you guys have been coming out with a lot of eBooks. One of them that I had seen come out lately was an eBook you guys did on new IT buyers not being IT, which really kind of caught my eye and just wanted to bring you in and talk a bit about as the head of marketing, like you're obviously not an IT buyer, but you purchase IT, you know, you make those types of decisions on applications and stuff for your department. So what are the top two or three things you consider when you're evaluating a new technology? Yeah. Uh, so I just want to take a step back. It technically not an ebook, the new IT oh. buyer, um, though we do produce a lot of ebooks, the IT buyer, the new IT buyer, piece of collateral that we just put out was um, truthfully a request that our partners from our partner advisory council uh, asked about. Wow. They wanted to know and understand the new decision makers at the table. And so we were like, yes, yes. I mean, omni-channel, people are responsible for that. You have chief of strategy, you have um, head of contact centers, right? And mm -hmm. all of those people have to be informed on technology decisions so that they can ultimately improve the customer and employee experience. So as head of marketing, there are there are significant considerations that I that I take into account when purchasing some technology. Always number one for me is how it integrates and works with our systems of record, like mm -hmm. our ERP and sure. CRM NetSuite, mm -hmm. for instance. Um, and then potential for API extensions or integrations with HubSpot, our email automation platform. But I also take into account really our existing tools. Are we milking them for all it's worth, mm -hmm. right? What do departments need to accomplish that we might already have that can do and function for them? Uh, what do we not know? And so I try to evaluate what we have before buying something new. Corey, obviously you're you're kind of entrenched in in this experience of being outside of IT, but being involved in the buying process, right? I guess just some of your past experiences, good, bad, ugly, whatever they may be, right? Um, collaborating with other departments. Um, how have you done that to come to a buying decision? Huh. Well, the bad always comes from scope creep. So oh, okay. <laughs> what I mean <laughs> by know. that is essentially when working with others on new tools, new purchases, Research and vendor evaluation can be laborious, and, and actually keeping everything clear and concise to clue in all other stakeholders involved is, is basically a job unto itself. Sure. But then once you shortlist vendors and price out and scope price out the scope of work based on requirements, mm -hmm. then you get into others wanting more or learning like, oh, that tool can also do this? Well, I want that. Um, and then you get into more money, then you get into a decision taking longer, and it's a slippery slope, and then it pisses people off like me. <laughs> sure, no, understandable. You're getting it from all angles, I guess, right? 100%. And, and when that scope creep sets in, I mean, it's, it's not only bad on our side, but the salesperson on the other right. side of the fence, like, are they coming to you and they're saying, hey, Corey, have you made a decision? Have you made a decision? Or have the salespeople on the other side of it, like, truly understood 
the process and what's going on. Yeah, you know, being in sales obviously is is the hardest job. It is it's not easy. And what is the way to best impress upon your point of contact like me that you're eager and want my business without badgering me? That's always the fine line. The best mm-hmm. salespeople I've worked with understand the entirety of a decision-making process even being the main point of contact doesn't mean I make unilateral decisions. I still need people to be vested in a decision. Mm -hmm. I still need budget approval. I still need internal employee buy-in. The best salespeople that I've worked with ask, what can I do to help sell this in for you internally? Do you need me to make a PowerPoint presentation to other executives? I also love, 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 love salespeople that are transparent about like, I really want to make this happen by end of quarter. Like, I want to hit my number. I can discount the hell out of Mm -hmm. this for you. Mm -hmm. What do I need to do to get this across the finish line? Like, I understand your pressure. So, you know, real So somebody who's just transparent about their their end goal. And if it's hitting hitting numbers by a certain time period, then, you know, so so be it. it. Let's work together to get there because this is going to benefit me. 100%. And so with that, actually, um, you know, you mentioned some things that someone that would be an optimal salesperson would do uh, in a situation. And uh, I think you know where I'm going with this next one. But uh, we've all been in a situation, right, with someone trying to sell us something, let's say. So what's something, I guess, on the other end of that spectrum that when you hear it from a salesperson, it automatically shuts down the conversation? Ugh, yeah. (laughs) I think we all agree with that, yeah. I mean, I can't. Other than the LinkedIn message having like, well, right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to totally mention that. So I can't hit delete fast enough. If I know I'm getting a generic email that was sent in mass, right? Right. Trying to sell me something when you're trying to take like an ABM, like an account-based marketing approach, you're sending me a generic email trying to pose as if you know me or my business, that's just a turnoff, right? Do the personal outreach if you want my business. Sure. Are you trying to sell me on like video services? Are you trying, Mm -hmm. and, and, and if you're trying to sell me on video services and you don't mention to me how much you love my videos or what you think they're missing, like you're gone, you're dead to me. Sure. Also, <laughs> I'm with you. You're selling me on social media analytics software or PR monitoring services, and then and you don't tell me what I'm missing with my current program that I can gain from using you. Once again, you're done. I'm okay. I'm okay if you you send me an email telling me you're in Chicago on certain dates and hey, can we meet for coffee? Mm-hmm. But are you an appointment setter? Because also, I'm turned off by that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I really want like the CMO or the, sure. the CEO of the company to be like, hey, I'm in Chicago. Can we meet up? I don't really need like, you know, so, I'm okay with an assistant, I suppose, doing it. But I know right away when it's an appointment center. Right. Yeah. And then the worst mm-hmm. LinkedIn messages to connect when I don't know you from Adam okay. and you're trying to sell me something. I mean, your background is impressive and I would like to expand my network with you in it. I mean, something to that effect. (laughs) Give me something of importance. Tell me you read an article I wrote. Tell me you have people we are connected to and how we know each other. I mean, even tell me about your sales objectives for the year and Mm -hmm. how you think I can help you meet them. Mm -hmm. Like, give me anything. I would appreciate that so much more. Yeah. Something that just shows they don't copy and paste. Uh Uh-huh. Any kind of personal touch that you could possibly put. Sure. I have recruiters reach out to me for, like, SQL development and stuff like that. And it's like, do you even know me? Know me? Because you don't (laughs) want me coding. I get so many requests, and I'm just like, I don't, like, I don't know you. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Exactly. Like, and and also I get 50 of these. So, Mm. like, how do I, how do I, you know. You're not standing out if you're doing that. Nope. Right. Well, yeah, you're obviously not the only one. You know, they're sending 50 of those messages out to how many people a day across how many different 
departments, you know, like we've established it's not just IT, it's not just marketing. Like what other, what other departments have you seen get involved with buying decisions or in that purchasing process? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's interesting at this point, we're talking about the new IT buyers. We're talking about the new decision makers at the table. The funny thing is, I'm not necessarily sure they're new. Mm-hmm. I think these people have always been decision makers. They've always been stakeholders and, and influencers in tech buying decisions. They might be more champions at this point. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't say you have any new departments getting involved. You just have people with louder voices because mm. they hold more of the lion's share of marketing mm. or of, of budget, right? Like marketing. Marketing holds right. uh, you know, more than IT holds oftentimes a larger technology budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for that, those people have a louder voice when it comes to the tech stack from social media analytics platforms to email automation, CRM integrations, contact center, omni-channel, um, you know, technology. So it, it, it's not necessarily new. It's just the roles they've played or are playing. Obviously, here at TBI, um, all of our departments are just buddy-buddy all the time and always get along, and it's just uh, kumbaya and peace and love around here, right? Oh, it is. 100% of the time, without (laughs) fail. But uh, in some sort of hypothetical world, right, let's just say that, um, you know, departments don't necessarily always see eye to eye. What are some of the more common points of contention that you've seen in those sort of instances? Well, let me tell you, I've never experienced that. <laughs> yeah, right. No, of course not. No, it's <laughs> everything totally just works, right? Totally yeah. kidding. So the most, po- the most common points of contention right. are utilization of resources. So sure. using yeah. your own DevOps team to mm-hmm. create or modify something that you want is obviously ideal. But I often receive pushback or a laundry list of other things they have on the docket that they can't do for me, right? So that forces me to go outside and use third parties to do anything. Sure. Um, But then that leads to larger conversations, prolonging decisions on Mm. numerous factors, pricing, integrations, and then how other departments could possibly use what I'm looking at and, and, and getting the most bang for our buck. And that just obviously, like I said, prolongs decisions. Sure. And yeah. creates tension because then it's like, well, who's going to own this? And what department really gets to use this resource and contention? It can get pretty con- <laughs> pretty convoluted pretty quick, I'm 100%. sure. 100%. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I've experienced. Cool. Yeah, and like you said, Corey, the, the departments aren't new necessarily, but their voices are just a bit louder because they have, you know, budget. And those IT buying decisions today – when they're shifted across departments like that, just help us understand what those buying decisions look like at a company like TBI that's private versus some of the larger public companies our agent service. Oh, yes. I mean, there is there is quite a difference with IT buying decisions from an, a large enterprise publicly traded company versus a smaller privately held company. Public companies tend to have more silos. I mean, it's just natural because mm-hmm, there's sure. thousands of employees right. and communication and transparency is always a struggle. Uh, ultimately, decisions are made amongst a select few. And, you know, I was actually just talking with a partner the other day whose main contact has always been the CIO and the director of IT, which is like the main day to day, but was just brought into a massive meeting to discuss like network transformation. Mm. And, you know, for the first time, all of these C-level buyers were in the room Understanding the motivations of each of the representatives in, is the is in the room, sorry, but equally, if not more so important, is understanding each of their business objectives. So, mm-hmm. um, 
becoming a cloud-first company, migrating legacy systems, adapting more cloud infrastructure, or transitioning a company's network to be more software-focused is something that more than likely the other C-levels in the room have no idea <laughs> about, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm a marketer. I, I don't necessarily know what goes into transforming a network to be more software-defined. Right. But it is the seller's job to paint that picture and get them to be champions. And, and that's not an easy job, right? Mm -hmm. um, no, yeah, no. So, so there's, the, there's the hard part with public companies. And then with private companies, they also have their own closed door decision making. And I've often witnessed in my own history, not saying here, but uh, not enough people are brought to the table to make decisions. And so to counteract that, I've seen wasted, well, before I get into counteracting, I've seen wasted dollars, time, energy, and efforts on, on decisions and tech that has just been a bust. They mm -hmm. haven't worked. And now we have to go back to the drawing board and kind of recoup our losses and figure out how to get better. Uh, so to counteract that, some private companies are taking it to an extreme where they feel they need everyone's opinion. And then it's like decision by committee. That never works. Never. Um, there always needs to be one project manager, whether that person is the buyer. But you do, like I said, need to keep in mind key decision makers, influencers, and champions. And selling remains the same with private and public companies. You still need to understand the influencers and the champions, right. and you need to get them all on board in order to make those decisions. But the way you go about it is is nuanced, and that's you know the difference. Yeah, and I think you know, a lot of what we've talked about to this point, Corey, our, our audience is going to be familiar with to a certain extent, but I think what they don't know is that TBI is going to help them in those sales conversations, right? So you can come to us not just on the technologies, but you can come to Absolutely. us to help navigate some of those sales conversations, you know, how your buyers are making decisions and what TBI has seen in the marketplace. And if you want to turn that around and, and you know, really almost productize it and look at next gen products and solutions and apply it to some of what Corey's discussed, you know, CCAS stands out at me. We're talking about different departments and how they're influencing the business and how, you know, they're driving business outcomes. They have a seat at the table. You know, CCAS solves for a lot of that. I yeah. think, and I it's, think it, 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 sorry to interrupt, but it's yeah. like the chief experience officer, the, the chief strategy officer. It's like, mm -hmm. it's those now C-level executives that play a very important part, especially in CCAS purchases that are just trying to make the overall experience better. And it's, you know, to your point, yeah, bring TBI in, bring our CCAS subject matter expert in, bring, if, you, if you're talking to a CMO, you know, bring me in. I'm more than right. happy to, mm -hmm. you know, to sit in a partner's meeting and, and figure out ways to connect with their ultimate buyer. And I think our agents are willing to do that, but where I think they get caught up on CCAS specifically is they, they you know, think call center, oh, my customers aren't that big. They don't have call centers, right? Well, CCAS, you need to almost remove call center from the as a service. It's customer centricity as a service. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's for smaller dental or medical practices or appointment centers, right? Or maybe a sales office. It's not a call center, but the managers need more analytics and more insight into what the reps are doing. So really think about those business problems customers are solving for and, and you know, come to TBI and let us help. Uh, we've been adding subject matter experts. I think right now we actually wanted to give John Romeo a call, our CC and UC expert, and just hear from him what he's been seeing in the field since he joined three or four months ago. Hello? Hey, John. Yeah. How are you doing, Eric? Hey, John. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for taking some time. I know, uh, I know you're out on the road today 
in Minnesota, but we were just talking to Corey, our VP of marketing, about some of the ins and outs of new IT buyers not being in IT, and CCAS came up when we're talking about improving customer experience across departments. So just wanted to bring you in a little bit, introduce yourself, and, and pick your brain. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Eric. I appreciate that. So, uh, hey, John, this is uh, Dave. Just uh, wanted to say on behalf of the rest of the podcast and our listeners, thanks for joining us. And um, you're a fairly familiar, fa- uh, fairly new face, I should say, to TBI. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, yes, yeah, uh, definitely fairly new here. I've been here about uh, only seven weeks, but certainly seen a lot of activity already with partners. Um, been here about seven weeks, certainly not new to this industry. Um, I recently came from uh, Communications, where I actually ran the uh, contact center practice for both direct and uh, channel accounts. I've been doing this for about you know, 23, 24 years. Oh, wow. um, I have a very, you know, very background uh, working for multiple service providers, um, vendors, and, and most of my concentration has been in the Unified Communications and contact center uh, space. Um, and, you know, we, we see this uh, activity, not just in one, you know, one or two segments. We've seen all sorts of verticals from, you know, retail, higher ed, uh, SMBs, local government, and uh, especially large enterprise. Yeah, well, 24, 25 years is a long time at it. Yeah. I'm sure a lot has changed over that time. But in the, in the couple of weeks since you've been with TBI, what types of opportunities have our agents been bringing in on so far? Like what's been keeping you busy? Well, it's actually what's been keeping me busy. It's not only the type of opportunity, it's actually the desire for this knowledge. Uh, you know, partners have, have come to me or have, have visited partners and they have a, a strong desire on how to actually take advantage of these opportunities where a lot of their own partner peers are, you know, making five to six X mm-hmm. over traditional telecom selling. Uh, so that is actually the, the desire for knowledge that kept me busy. But, you know, in addition to that, you know, I do have opportunities. Anything, you know, coming from the smaller deals of maybe 20 seats to sizable deals of 300 or more. And mm-hmm. as I said, all, these are along all sorts of, uh, you know, lines of verticals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of these are pretty simple vanilla type uh, requests. And some of them can have special integrations. And that, that's kind of my sweet spot. And that's very important to have subject matter experts as myself and my peers because, we can use TBI to, you know, to help you write, you know, find the right vendor, uh, in, you know, bending out the right design at the right price point for you and your customers. So we bring that agnostic approach. Yeah, totally. You're selling with them. Exactly. So John, um, obviously you have quite a bit of experience for our, some of our less experienced agents and people in the industry. Um, where are our agents missing opportunities, I guess, to message, message CCAS? I think where they're missing uh, the opportunities is asking the right questions. Uh, for most for most agents, contact center and even unified uh, communications seems like an uncharted territory. You know, I've only been here for a few weeks, and I've discovered some agents have a fear of diving into this unknown uh, mm-hmm. uh, technology. I mean, knowing that they have to get there or phase out in this revolutionary industry that's all, you know, moving the cloud. Uh, most common stereotypes I've heard along my uh, travels here are, you know, contact center is very complex. It's long sales cycles, and mm-hmm. will I ever get paid? Today's contact centers are typically on shared software instance models that can easily be spun up in the cloud. Compared to the past, we had on-prem. You needed several, you know, different technical people. That technical help it could span at least nine to twelve months. Mm-hmm. Of course, I, you know, if I'm a partner, 
uh, if I'm an agent, I would be kind of afraid to walk into that technology, you know, but the key to success is asking the right questions. As I mentioned, you know, this is not the grandfather's contact center. Uh, times have changed. Uh, you know, it's as simple as spinning up an instance in the cloud. And then typically what I tell the customers, there's, you know, five to seven uh, simple probing questions you need to ask to open these doors. Even if you have the fear that, you know, you still feel that contact centers complex, I can be here right beside you from initial discovery to close to help ask you those uh, questions and put you at ease. Uh, a lot of times I, I jump on the call, I can wear the partner's hat or I can come as a, in as a TBI resource. Yeah. So that's the value that we bring. Yeah, completely. Agents need to be taking advantage of the new SMEs that we're adding. Yeah. And, you know, you say five to seven simple questions. To you, they're simple. To, to us, they may be simple. But to agents out there, maybe not so much. Sure. So yeah. coming up here in the next month or so, we do have a CCAS training that's launching on the University of TBI. Along with that will be some of those job aids with probing questions, right-sized customers, how to quote, so on and so forth. But some of what you mentioned, John, you know, you say, well, agents, they think contact center, it's complex. It's hard. The sales cycles are long. I hear the same things. What are some of those common, you want to call them full pause or missteps that agents might take that can lead to prolonged sales cycles or even just lost deals? in the contact center arena? Well, I think it could be the uh, case of just working with one vendor or supplier. They say, hey, this is my go-to guy, this is my go-to service provider, this is my go-to vendor. They may not have all the tools and expertise to provide a complete agnostic solution, and this may delay the sales cycle. It can be feature functionality. It could be they don't have the right professional services or expertise. So they're sitting around trying to find you know, the right person or maybe even third party it. Or if you come to TBI, we can vet a whole portfolio of vendors and actually don't have to shove square pegs in the round holes. And that's the value that we bring. You know, we have the know-how, the skill sets to help vet out all these vendors. And, you know, not only based on these feature functionality, but on best practices and implementation mm-hmm. as well. And implementation and day-to-day support all at the end brings a better customer experience. And that's what we're here at TBI to bring. Totally, yeah, and the the fact that we're investing in really specialized resources like yourself, I think really demonstrates to agents where we want to head and that we're invested in them. Exactly, exactly. We're changing the game, changing the game of the master agency. You guys talking to any call center up there in Minnesota today? Um, we're actually talking to a lot of partners, um, a lot of partners, uh, probably about uh, five, six, uh, six calls a day, uh, talking to vendors, uh, basically – you know, we're constantly talking to vendors, seeing where, you know, where they're taking the market and actually, uh, you know, taking these messaging uh, messages to our partners, right? Sure. So this is a constantly changing, evolving world. Uh, even with the uh, introduction of CMAS, uh, we're actually seeing where we can take artificial intelligence, data analytics, apply it to the most simplest of, uh, you know, PBXs and adding uh, extra, you know, extra um, benefits to better optimize your uh, lines of business. Yeah, and I know there's some really cool stuff going on right now with CPaaS. Not every CCAS provider has a native CPaaS solution, so we may have to tap you on that down the road and pick your brain a little bit more. But I know you're you're in between meetings right now, John, on the road. So, yeah, yeah. we really appreciate yep. you taking some time and, and letting us pick your brain. Great. Thanks. I really appreciate it, guys. All right. So great stuff from John Romeo. And again, thanks to Corey Cohen for taking some time and John for calling in and giving us some information there. This has been... Uh, episode number two of TBI Talks Tech 
For Eric Hills, I'm Dave Polakowski, and when it comes to IT, we are it. Ba-dum-tch. We'll be right back. 